name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. Hi, this is Senders Receive, and my name is Jenny Hinchcliffe. I'm excited to be interviewing Sally Wasink of Wurlitzer World today. Many of you know Sally and her amazing work. She's a talented collage, mail, and artist stamp maker. She has a great love for popular science magazines from the 40s and 50s, as well as rubber stamps showcasing weird designs. Sally's work has been shown in various exhibitions, including the Verald Museum's 2017 exhibition, Power Mask. Her collage work recently appeared in the pages of Ukrainian Vogue and has been showcased as the primary cover image for the Power Mask exhibition. It's always such a pleasure to correspond and catch up with Sally, and I'm thrilled to be able to host her here at Senders Receive. Welcome, Sally Wurlitzer. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) It's great to have you. I always love talking with you and hearing all of your stories. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll just jump right in because I know a lot of people are curious to hear about how you got involved in the world of mail art and, you know, whether or not you've always made and sent things to people. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved? Well, I not always sent um, mail art to pe- to people, but uh, I moved to San Francisco in 1976, and that's kind of when I was introduced to the world of mail art. And at the time in San Francisco, there was um, a large group of you know artistic types that were involved in uh, temping (laughs) because that was really all we were qualified to do. (laughs) So there were a lot, there was just a big temp pool of people that that I would run across from time to time uh, working in different, you know, financial institutions or wherever the temp place sent me. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I landed at Wells Fargo Bank, uh, that is where I found the like-minded people, I guess, that I was looking for. So I worked with a number of people there who were involved in mail art, who got me into mail art, and that's kind of where it started. Wow, Wells Fargo. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of odd, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where it started. How did how did that work? I mean, were you guys all like you'd pass each other in the hallways and the cafeteria and it'd be like, oh, there's one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't really remember how how it all uh, unfolded, but I do remember that uh, you know we started mailing each other stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, at the time we had um, this big cache of um, microfiche because that was the you know, what we used at the time to look up files and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, f- there was nothing on those things, but from time to time, the uh, bank would throw away, you know, a whole bunch of these microfiche that had no mm-hmm. personal information on them, but, you know, had they looked like little negatives, you know, and there were a lot of numbers and stuff like that. And we would, you know, fish those out of the trash and make things out of them because they were free. And, you know, we could reassemble them into mail art. <clears throat> yeah. It reminds me my grandmother was a registered nurse and she would bring home discarded x-rays. Mm-hmm. And I remember the kid cutting those up and now I wish I had <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I wish I had some but yeah, it's it's funny what you end up <laughs> what you end up working with. <laughs> yeah, and so one of Do the- you have any Oh, do I have any of the, of the micro? No, I don't think I have any of the, those things anymore. Um, but the one of the women that I worked with at that time uh, uh, knew Picasso Gaglione. Oh, and and Anna Banana. I think she knew both of them from I don't know, probably a previous temp job. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, it was it was that period of time where where people would say things like, "Hey, let's start a magazine," and and she and her partner actually did start a magazine at that time that they called Start. And um, I don't know how many issues of that actually came out, but that really got me into like xeroxing and you know, mailing stuff to each other and, and the weirder, the better, you know, we tried to, we tried to impress each other with, with what we were sending out at that time. Well, and was this, would you say this was the late seventies? Yeah. It, um, well, if I moved here in 76, yeah. So it was probably between 76 and 81 or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was, I mean, the photocopier was this big, big deal. Like a lot of people these days don't realize what a huge game changer Xerox technology was at the time, because suddenly you could make literally hundreds of something in minutes. That's right. Hadn't been able to before. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. Although, you know, um, I've, you know, the new, Xerox, color Xerox technology was just coming on at that time, mm. and mm. I could never afford that, so mm. it kind of uh, restricted, you know, what you could make, you know, you had basically had to make your design decisions based on what you could afford. <laughs> right, right. Well, that, so that's a really nice kind of segue into, can you tell listeners a little bit about some of the first artist stamps that you produced? Yes, because I know you and I have, have talked about them, and I, I just love uh, you know hearing sort of the compare contrast of the early Xerox tech compared with now, where it can look pretty polished, you know. Yeah, so I um, loved postage stamps as a kid, you know, a whole lot. I was real mm-hmm. nerdy that way, and um, my I, my mom used to let me send away for, you know, bags of stamps that you could get for you know a dollar or two dollars, and you get a big bag of stamps from you know all over the world, and I loved those, and I kind of racked my brain today trying to think of, you know, where I got the idea of you know doing my own stamps. I I and mm-hmm. I can't really remember. But at some point, it was just like, well, I want to make these for myself. So I would save the um, sheet that you would get with Publisher Clearinghouse Magazine um, flyers. Mm -hmm. And they had what looked like postage stamps, but they were the covers of magazines. But they were on a sheet that was gummed and perforated. Mm -hmm. So I would Mm -hmm. take those sheets, and and I wanted the perfs, but I didn't know how to get Uh the perfs. So I would um, collage on top of those pre-made stamps, and those were my first artist stamps, was collaging on top of those. Mm -hmm. Did you do those when you were a little kid? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I was an adult. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Do you still work that way, where you collage on top of, you know, tiny sheets of gummed, perforated paper? No. No. Okay. I do use sometimes pre-perfed stamps, uh, mm-hmm. you know, blanks. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't really. And, you know, Publishers Clearinghouse doesn't send those anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> Funny. So you, <laughs> you told me a great story once about color xeroxing things at work oh yeah using the photo do you mind telling that story because i love it so much (laughs) because i think it's i think it's something that all artists and you know especially zinesters can completely identify with Uh so (laughs) i just love it yeah i i i was a big user of the Of the color happier at work, although that was that was after the technology was much much better, you know, and and copy and color copies were much cheaper. But um, yeah, you know, I got into doing you know image transfers and stuff, and I wanted a big cache of images, you know, that I could pull from. So I kind of stocked yeah. up. <laughs> Did you ever leave anything by accident in the bed of the copy? Oh yeah. <laughs> 
happens to all of us. Yep. It, it was always, it was always a bad moment, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but, yeah. but, you know, work, working in, working in advertising, it was a little bit easier to get away with it. So you mentioned image transfers and I know, you know, you and I have talked image transfers and done image transfers and sent them back and forth. Um, your image transfers are always amazing and they always just rock my world. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I know that you like to work a little smaller postcard format mm-hmm. um, and that you do a lot of collage and stamping uh, and transfer techniques onto the postcard blanks. And so do you have a particular reason why you like that size, postcard size, um, as opposed to, you know, like decorating envelopes or something like that? Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure why I'm so drawn to the postcard format. I think it goes back to that same thing we were talking about a minute ago where you, you know, now I don't need to get things free anymore. <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. but that's almost like an aesthetic that's kind of embedded in me now. <laughs> so it's like nothing makes me happier than finding a stash of things that where there are many multiples of something that I can use that are uh, low cost or that I've found or that are mm-hmm. free or something of that nature. Um, it just makes it all the more valuable to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. So when I go to places like, you know, the San Francisco has the vintage paper fair they did before COVID, mm-hmm. you know, a few times a mm-hmm. year and, you know, nothing would make me happier than getting, a whole bunch of the, you know, three for a dollar postcards or, you know, 25 cents each. Um, even though those postcards are a hundred years old, you know, they're yeah. 25 cents mm-hmm. each. And especially wonderful is when I would find many of the same postcard. Mm-hmm. And then I could start, you know, combining the same image kind of over and over again. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and you can, you know, often just by changing one or two things, you know, if you have a, if you have, well, so this brings up a question then. Do you like to work in additions? Like, do you, do you like to take, for example, 10 of those postcards that are all the same and then work into them and then send them out to people? Or do I, you do one ops all the time? No, I do like to work in additions now. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of the reason for that is, is because my mailing list has lately has expanded a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I have been working in additions and in multiples of, you know, one thing. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, that's, uh, even when you're working in additions, you know, um, you're finding things that, change each card a little bit <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true I, and as you're putting <laughs> as you're putting it together it's it's morphing yes mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true it's really true mm-hmm. you know even I find sometimes you know the temperature in the room can make a difference because that'll change the ink color of mm-hmm. you know something it's the weird you know it's not and, surprising and, and you start amazing. making mistakes even when you're doing additions and then you're like oh I like that mistake better than I like the original or I hope I like that mistake better <laughs> I'm telling myself I do <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well so that I listeners may or may not know but every year you do in a, a calendar edition mm-hmm. right yep of a hundred and that's a big big addition for you right that's a yeah that's a big addition for me and so how long does that calendar usually take well it, it, it depends calendar? on if I have an idea you know I mean the the I, I start thinking about the calendar you know kind of I don't know maybe in September <laughs> um, <laughs> because the the yeah. uniqueness of it something or what it, whatever it is that I want to say sometimes doesn't present itself right away. So I'll go and, you know, I, I really like the structure too. So when you get into an edition of a hundred, then you're restrained by the size of the edition, not to have it be too complicated of a structure, but I've got some, some you know, I've got some from past years that were, would be like, you take them out of the envelope and they pop up 
you know, because they have a, a little tiny rubber band on the inside of them and just, you know, yeah. But I don't, I don't They're do, amazing. yeah, I don't do that anymore with a hundred. <laughs> I know you really, you, when you do an edition of that size, you really learn a lot about yourself and mm-hmm. how you work mm-hmm. as an artist. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, the more you do it, the better you get, I think, but it's still always, always a labor of love. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, I always say that it's my morbid fascination with the passage of time that makes me want to do these calendars every year. (laughs) And there's been very few years that I've skipped. I have skipped a few, but I've been doing them for a really long time, probably since the early 90s. And has the edition size always been that big? No, no. Yeah, no. It used to be that uh, it started with me just doing it for one friend, one of the Wells Fargo friends. (laughs) Uh, And I gave him one for his birthday. And then, you know, it just sort of took off from there. And for many years, it was just a small, you know, like 10 or 12, you know. But now that I've gotten back into mail art, you know, after I had kind of a long time period of time that I wasn't doing too much mail art because I was working too much. um, Now that I'm back into it a little bit more, the edition size has gotten bigger. Yeah. And, you know, calendars are so versatile and universal. I mean, everyone needs one. Everyone loves them. (laughs) Yeah. And and another thing I like to do, another thing I like to do is sort of work in, you know, the unusability of a calendar, you know, some, sometimes I'll have, I'll, I'll design them. So they're completely unusable as a calendar. What would be a good example of that? Well, like one year, um, it was one of the years that I perfed the calendar. Um, Uh and I couldn't figure out, I, I, I didn't want it to be a large sheet. I wanted it to be kind of a smallish sheet and I couldn't figure out Uh how to get the actual calendar dates on there and all the images that I wanted on there. So I thought I'm just, I'm just going to dump the, the calendar part of it. So on the margins of the perfect sheet, I just put the numbers from one to 365 and then, and then enclosed a note for people saying, you know, you figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're like, Good luck with this year. <laughs> yes. I, I figured at the very least each day they could just sort of draw a line through the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, see, it's more interactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one that was, you know, a burn on completion uh, one year, um, which was which was a matchbook that, you know, it was right after Trump got elected. And I said, you know, when at the end of this year, you know, this is your job now. Set this on fire. So, uh, knowing what we know now, <laughs> yeah, the past you know four years and yeah. this last week, um, would you? So you've sent out your twenty twenty one calendar yes. already for this year. Is there anything you would have changed about it? Well, it, in fact, today I was just telling somebody, thank God I sent those out before this week. You know. I sent them out mid mid December, yeah. and you know, pretty much it was just like we're going to take out the trash, we're going to tidy up, you know, and then we're going to get a shot and the goal and the images that were on this calendar. But um, yeah, cleaning house. Yeah, exactly, clean cleaning mm-hmm. house. That was that was the um, kind of thrust of the calendar this year. But ugh. <laughs> yeah. after after this week, it's just like oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm, I uh, I don't know what I would have done if I had already had it ready and seem would seem kind of silly to send it out, but that's how quickly things change right now. Yeah, as they say, things are so fluid. Right? <laughs> Very. <laughs> One of the things that you and I always seem to talk about is artists and inspiration. I know this is a favorite. It's a favorite topic of many people, but somehow we always seem to, you and I always seem to to gravitate towards that. So I guess, who would you say are some of your favorite artists, inspiration-wise, male art or otherwise? 
Uh, well, I really love Hannah Hawk. Um, I love Lenore Tawney. Um, Dieter Roth has is a big inspiration. Um, I like um, Romar Bearden for collages. Um, you know, there's so many. Yeah. Is there, out of the artists that you just named, like, what are some of the takeaways that you use or interpret in your own work? Well, uh, especially with Dieter Roth, it's the idea of multiples. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was, uh, and the idea of just keep working, you know? Mm. I mean, he was so prolific, and he really yeah. never stopped working. He was working all the time. Kiki Smith is another one like that, too. Mm. She mm-hmm. She's just constantly working, you know? Mm. And good, bad, or indifferent, you know? It's like the the work leads to other work kind of thing. Power through the stuck-itness. Exactly. <laughs> being in the studio. That's you know, what's going on. And, uh, you know, Hannah Hawk is really important, too, because, you know, she was up against so much. And, um, you know, her collages are so... Uh, she, she made them political, but she made them... Mm-hmm interesting and beautiful at the same time uh yeah. so i f- i find her really inspirational too and lenore tawny i mean she she worked in so many different mediums and and yeah. was good at all of them i wish i feel like more people could know about leonor tawny mm-hmm. i love her work her mm-hmm. correspondence is amazing incredible mm-hmm. yeah i love her correspondence there's a good book out with her correspondence in it yeah that is a good book you know what that's a good reminder i'll put that one in the show notes too yep because it's a great resource mm-hmm. and so inspiring like you look through that book and you can tell <laughs> you can just see where you know so many of today's collage artists where the lineage comes from you know yeah and there's another really good book um and i think that we've talked about it before called the world exists to be put on a postcard jeremy, jeremy cooper yeah that's a that's a really good book and and the title is super something i subscribe to <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you're considering in your current address list any correspondence that you're mailing back and forth to that you find particularly inspiring? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's so many, actually. Probably the artist that I've corresponded with the longest has been Jeff Weider. Um, Mm. We've been sending things back and forth to each other for, I don't know, since the 70s, I guess, and, and still are, and he makes these amazing mixed-media collages that are postcard size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's been a longtime correspondent that I really enjoy and learn from. I sort of think about artists, uh, especially male artists, in kind of like categories, you know? So it's like right. some, some are really great in artist stamps, some only do collages. You know, mm-hmm. some are great rubber stamp artists, just that do it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are some. There are some that are just they just right. naturally gravitate to all of it, and you know that would yeah. be you, uh, Red Letter Day, and Ju Thirteen. You know, I've been corresponding mm. with yeah. both of you for a long time. Uh, Keith Chambers, who has ah. uh, am- amalgamated confusion, he does incredible artist stamps and collages and sort of everything. Um, Adam Rosopoulos. I hope I'm not mm-hmm. murdering his last name. <laughs> I think that's uh, right. I think it's good. <laughs> you know, he's another one that does zines and rubber stamp carving and artist stamps. You know, he's just sort yeah. of, you know, one of those people that does it all. There are people, there are a lot of people who do like to do collaborations. Those are those are really interesting people to get to know, too, in the Mail Art Network. In that category, I guess it would be... Um, Alan Beely in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and Tic Tac in Germany, yeah. um, Visma Bruns in Australia. They're all doing their own incredible, fantastic thing, you know, that's that, like you said, is really inspiring, but it also helps move, I think, the network and community as a whole forward. Yeah. And, of- and that's, that's one thing about male artist is that it's just such an incredibly generous community. The, the, the things that the people, you know, the documentation that they come back with, if it's, if it's a mail art call and stuff like that, 
is just really incredible sometimes. And they really have a love for the medium and the communication. It's really great. Yeah. Oh, in rubber stamps, in rubber stamps, um, Angelica has that. Again, I hope I'm not murdering her last (laughs) name. Yes. She's one who works Mm -hmm. with rubber stamps just in an incredibly interesting and kind of new way, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. really Mm collage-like. And she also does great collages. (laughs) So do you put as much time into the message on the back of the postcard as you do as the front? Yes, I would say that I do uh, for the most part um, because nothing makes me sadder. Than, than getting something in the mail that somebody's just signed on the back and has not given me a message of some sort. So that's the correspondence part that I really love. And when you're not writing letters, which, you know, I also write letters, but not to the degree that I send postcards. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It takes a long time to get to know somebody through postcards so if you're corresponding yeah. with, so, with somebody only in postcards, the message becomes all the more important because it does take, you have mm-hmm. limited space. So um, the message becomes even more important. You can kind of get, you know, what they're interested in and who they are from the image or the mm-hmm. artwork that they've sent. Yeah. But boy, I think that that personal message is really important, yeah. or at least it, at a- least it is to me. It's interesting because, you know, Amber Wolf, who I interviewed, um, she and I talked about this very thing and, you know, sort of how much of a person's personality can you, or their sort of like groove or their artistic practice can you get from what they send? Uh And it can become this really interesting, almost performative Thing, you know, because one of my questions to her and, and, and I'll ask you as well was, you know, have, have you met a lot of the people in person that you correspond with and, and how did that go? Because sometimes you meet the people in person, the making and sending of the thing is truly only part of the process. And then when you meet, you know, the maker and sender of that thing in person, it can just like take it to a whole new level, you know? Uh-huh. So it can be really, it can be, and some people I think do it for the really performative aspect. Like they've created a persona and this is the persona they're living out. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so have you met a lot of your correspondents in person? I would say for the most part, yes. I probably have met mm-hmm. most of the people that I'm corresponding with um, through the San Francisco Correspondents Co-op, mainly. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, there are some people that I've only met once, you know? Yeah. And and then there was something maybe about that meeting or whatever, or, you know, maybe it took many, many months, maybe even mm-hmm. years, um, to get to a point where it's just like, oh, man, I really look forward to that person's, you know, uh, mail that they're sending. Yeah. yeah, it does. It takes a long time. It, it t- takes a long time to get to know somebody through the mail, but it's, it really is this amazing circular thing. That's so awesome. Yeah. It seems it, it's the process of actually going through making something and then writing that message that is just like, you're cutting to the chase kind of, yeah. it, it's like, yeah. it, you know, um, I'm going to tell you the things that are important right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Especially if you're constrained by the back of the postcard, Uh you know, you're not. And the other thing that I think gets discounted, you write it, you're writing it. It's really difficult to, um, you you know, like unless you have correction tape with you, you're, you're really kind of either thinking about what you're writing or you're, you're literally scratching out mistakes on the back of the card. Whereas with an email, it's like, Oh, you can read through it before you hit send mm-hmm. and do a lot of <laughs> editing, editing, mm-hmm. but, you know, you don't, you, you don't necessarily do that, especially with postcards. I mean, it's easier with letters, but yeah. And when people are really willing to kind of put themselves out there with, you know, their oddness or quirkiness, you know, that's when it can really yeah. become fun. So, yeah. it, you know, there, there's one correspondent that I have that, you know, mm-hmm. Um, I became fixated on uh, James Franco's like um, over uh, 
oversharing and overexposure Oh, where, where it was just like everywhere you looked, it was James Franco, right? <laughs> so I got kind of crazy with that, but I knew her, you know, the, my recipient's quirkiness about it. So I just thought, yeah, she, she would be into this. So I sent her a whole series of, you know, crazy James Franco cards. And then uh, later on, you know, she started writing me about Virginia Woolf. And then it was oh. like, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm I'm a big Virginia Woolf nerd, so that was <laughs> that was a whole new rich vein of mail art that happened, right. you know, uh, just because she made this offhanded comment about, hey, I'm reading Virginia Woolf, and it just so happens yeah. I have plenty of Virginia Woolf imagery, <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's what kind of makes it fun. Yeah, and it I love those kind of evolutions, those twists and turns. Mm-hmm. You know? like, and then and then you've really got a core uh, a conversation actually that's going on. You know, there is that back and forth that I think is. I guess I can't speak for all the listeners out there, but I know for me that really is one of the primary goals. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. Because that's when it really feels like an aha thing. It's like, ah, uh, these really are my people, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned Hannah Hook a few, a little bit ago, and your work was actually exhibited in the Netherlands in 2017 mm-hmm. for the World Museum's exhibition Power Mask. And your image, a collage of yours, is actually used on the cover the exhibition catalog Uh congratulations that's awesome Uh and the story about how that came to be from like very start to very end is pretty amazing and I was hoping that you'd be willing to share that with listeners yeah yeah it was uh it was pretty amazing it was one of those crazy internet stories (laughs) Um, well, let's see. Well, I'll start at the beginning. Um, the, I was involved in another group, uh, back in the late nineties for mm-hmm. uh, maybe five or six years. And it was a fiber arts group and we called ourselves fiber artists with nerve, but I was never really into fiber art that much, but, but I joined this group because, you know, they were all over the country um, and some mm-hmm. internationally too, um, but I thought I could, you know, get these people into maybe some correspondence art too. So I mm-hmm. and and basically the way we constructed our group was that if you had an idea, you just you know mailed something out to the or emailed it out to the group and mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, I want to do this project, and you know, anybody interested. So one of the projects that I wanted to do with this group was to do postcards in the manner of our favorite artist. Okay. So um, I did that. Um, There was probably only one or two of the other uh, members of the group that actually did it too. But the idea Mm. was take an artist that you really love and try to make a postcard that you feel they could have done, you know, doing Mm. it in the manner of. So I did the artists that, in fact, the ones that I had just mentioned earlier. So I did Ramar Baird and I did Lenore Tawney. I did uh, mm-hmm. Hannah Hawk and I did um, uh, Dieter Roth. Mm-hmm. And I mailed them out to participants. And then mm, probably around, I don't know. So these were, just to quickly, these were one-off postcards. So you made singles. One, one-off and collages. Send, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you would send, you know, the Romar Bearden to another person who had said, I'm participating in this project. And you sent the Hannah Hawk off to another person. And That's correct. Were, okay, I see. And then I waited to get the postcards back from them, which I didn't oh. really get very many. <laughs> I got, I got a few, (laughs) but, um, you know, I had, uh, I had posted the images on Flickr, you know, back when Mm -hmm. Flickr was a thing and I had tagged the picture, you know, in the manner of, I didn't go into a long description about, you know, what I had done, but I, I said, you know, this was in the manner of Hannah Hawk. Well then, Mm -hmm. you know, as you, as time went on, so that was probably 2003, maybe 2003 or four. And then 
then Pinterest became a thing, you know, 10 years in the future. Mm-hmm. And one day I was scrolling through Pinterest and you know how they give you the suggestions. Oh, you like these things. So we think you might like these things and they would show you other pictures. Yeah. And in the things that they were showing me was my own piece. It was that collage of that I had made in the manner of Hannah Hawk. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's weird. <laughs> because, because by now, this was what, like five, seven years later? Right. So I had done it in 2003. So yeah, it was probably like okay. uh, maybe, maybe even 10 years because it's probably mm-hmm. 2013 or so when that happened. Mm-hmm. So, so I, the image, I mean, and, and let's just take a minute to reflect on how amazing that is because the image still had legs. Like it was still circulating seven years after the fact. Correct. Ten years, yeah. I think. Okay. I think I did it in 2003, mm-hmm. and this was probably 2013 or so that this happened. Okay. But you didn't know. You you didn't know. It just showed up on your feed. Yeah, so, somebody somebody took it off of uh, Flickr, obviously. And But the crazy part was, is when I looked at the picture... <laughs> It was actually credited to Hannah Hawk. So it's just like, oh, now that's not right. <laughs> so then, then I, you know, I was, I was flattered, but, you know, that wasn't right. So then I did a reverse image lookup because I was going to contact the person that, you know, the, that had posted this thing, you know, where it had actually come from on Pinterest. And there were hundreds of blogs and things that this image was on. And it was just like, oh, my God, you know, because I, I had first gone to the blog that it had come from. And this person yeah. obviously didn't know. And yeah. somewhere along the line in that 10 years that had gotten renamed and, wow. got, and got credited to her. So, so then it was just like, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not even going to bother with this. But I thought it was a pretty funny story, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there were two, there were too many places that it appeared for me to change all of those. Okay, so um, I just I posted it on Facebook and went, "Ha ha!" You know, isn't this funny? Mm-hmm. And that was that. So that was 2013, and then a couple of years later, probably 2016 or so, mm-hmm. um, I got a message on uh, Facebook. From the sky in the Netherlands, um, who said, "Oh, we want to use your image in this show," and 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 I just thought, "Oh, this is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't believe this," so I ignored it. Right, right. <laughs> but 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 then, almost the very next day, I think I got an email from the Vivrel Museum in the in Rotterdam and introducing themselves as the curator, you, you know, they were curating this show called Power Mask and they wanted to use this image. They wanted to use my image as the main image for merchandising for the show and for the catalog. So it's just like, oh my God, this is real. So then, wow. I, so then I started corresponding with them and sure enough, you know, that was, that was how it unfolded. And they had been searching for me for a long time, apparently. They were trying, they, they, at first they thought it really was a Hannah Hawk, but then they, you know, did their research and found that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, started doing this, you know, kind of laborious process of tracking me down. And, and then they finally did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty and amazing. The other, the other part of the equation was that you didn't have the piece anymore oh that's right right. yes so I in 2013 I had you know dropped it in a mailbox (laughs) or whatever it was 2003 I guess it was yeah I dropped it in a mailbox and luckily the woman that I had sent that particular card to lived in Sebastopol which is you know close to San Francisco so I emailed her and she's like, yeah, I think I still have that card, and I think I know right where it is. And and sure enough, she did. Yeah, so I, I drove up there and got it from her. And, uh, you know, and and then by that time, the museum said, well, we want it for the catalog, but we also want it in the show. We want the actual piece in the show. So I packaged it up and FedExed it to Rotterdam. 
you know, I was right next to Cindy Sherman and, you know, I was on the same wall with a Basquiat and a a piece by Louise Bourgeois was, you know, a couple of steps in front of where mine was on the wall. It was, it was quite a thrill. Was there a Hannah Hook piece in the show? No, there was not. And um, I talked to the curator about that because I couldn't believe that there wasn't. (laughs) And, And she said, because they had so many different artists in this show, you know, I mean, I've only, you know, Diane Arbus and, you know, I mean, they had all, it was a huge show of people who dealt with this subject of mask Mm -hmm. and hiding and, Mm -hmm. and, but also the power of mask. And did so many artists, um, you know, find that, you know, a rich vein of material that they just, uh, just was a, it was a, just cast of thousands of, you know, great yeah. artists that were in that show. But they told me that if they needed to wait to get a Hannah Hawk for that show, they would have not been able to open for another year and a half oh. because her pieces are so much in demand um, that they just they just decided not to wait that long. It was a really great show, just um, beautifully um, uh, staged and... Uh, it was on three different floors in the museum, and yeah, it was just gorgeous. And you traveled there? Yes. Just yeah, I went there for the opening, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. I just love the journey of that postcard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so thankful that the woman that I sent it to, you know, <laughs> kept it. Yeah, <laughs> was able to find it. And was able and to find it. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it was really great. <laughs> And that was a that was an oversized card, but they framed you know the museum framed it very beautifully, and yeah, they did mm-hmm. they did a great job. And then mm-hmm. you know after the show, I returned it to her, you know, with a catalog. So, <laughs> so the piece is back in her, and yeah, it's in her hands. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about artists, which we are, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of artists in you know you and I have talked about this as well a lot of artists have their own kind of personal lexicon you uh-huh. know like visual language or visual symbols that they use uh-huh. a lot I mean I know I do I know a lot of our favorite people that we correspond with do uh-huh. I mean do you feel like you have a kind of shorthand or language that you use when you're when you're making mail or you're working in the studio yeah I think I do a little bit um it's it um, you know, I definitely, we, we touched on popular science magazines and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I definitely like the, um, mechanical aspects of, um, it, you know, almost like mechanical drawings. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, I, like I, those great circuitry drums from the fifties and of radio waves and things. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So that's, uh, images I pull from those types of things a lot. I also like the, um, the old, uh, graphic design from, you know, the 50 fifties and sixties period that were in those Mm -hmm. popular science magazines Mm -hmm. that I know were all done, you know, pasted up by hand. (laughs) Um, and I, and I also love the color that they had to use, sparingly you know because they couldn't have cut they could probably couldn't afford to have color on every page so so when they have um color details in those magazines i just you know i have a a fondness for that yeah and it it probably because it reminds me maybe of the you know because i I always love the saturation aspect of the original color xerox machines too Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. the way that the color Xeroxes turned out when they first, when those first versions of the color Xeroxes came out, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like it changed your whole design. Yeah. Um, and I really love that about it. There was, a, yeah, like, there was a surprise quality about it. Like you said, everything's just, those early Xeroxes, everything's super saturated, which is very cool looking. And, they, and one thing I really liked about them is that they weren't like a... Um, a true copy, you know, they, mm-hmm. it, it changed what you did. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a true reproduction. That's what, that's what I liked I, about it. Now, now when you make a color Xerox, you know, it's going to look exactly like the original and that, and right. that, that, yeah. Yeah. There was like, 
an, a really cool element of spontaneity. You never quite knew what you were going to get with those really early color Xerox machines. And you could play with, and you could play of... with the color settings on it. <laughs> yes. If you, if you, yeah. if you had access to a machine that somebody would let you do that. But I remember like first moving here and roaming around the city, searching for those color Xerox machines, like the print shops where you could actually go behind the counter. Yes. You know, and they would let you fiddle with the dials and things. Exactly. So. Yeah. And now, you know, I mean, it's just different, you know, it, 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 you don't have that surprise element anymore. I wish somebody would figure out, uh, and maybe somebody already has, uh, how to Photoshop program that is like the old Xerox, you know, that would, that would make me truly happy. Oh, like a Photoshop filter that Mm -hmm. you can run Mm -hmm. or an action and you just like apply it. Okay, senders receive listeners. You have your <laughs> orders. <laughs> Sally Wurlitzer wants a Photoshop action that will make her her work look like early '80s color Xerox. <laughs> well, you, well, you know they d- you, remember when they did that with Polaroid. Uh, no. It, oh yeah, so there was this little program that you could download. I probably still have it on my computer. <laughs> it was it was called Polaroid, and you can take any picture, and it would give it that weird Polaroid quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, and uh, you know, I use that a lot, you know, but now I want one for old Xerox. Right. <laughs> there's got to be something out there. <laughs> I'm sure somebody could do it, and there's only 32 steps. <laughs> well, we're, we're creeping up on an hour here. I, I guess I have one. Can I ask you one last question? Sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your favorite piece of mail that you've received lately? Have you received anything cool? Oh, yeah. Well, I get so much good mail. Um, just, you know, being in the correspondence co-op, there's so much good mail. But I guess, um, well, there were two. I mean, well, there's way more than two. But two <laughs> two that spring to mind. Somebody sent me um, over the Christmas uh, holiday because oh. because she knew about my love of calendars she okay. sent me this beautiful postcard calendar from I, I think it was 1904 mm-hmm. and it, and it had this beautiful little tablet calendar actually still stapled onto the front of the card um, oh, wow and I had one of those that I had found um, at the vintage paper sale uh, a number of years ago but this one was mm-hmm. it was a very unusual design on the actual tablet of the calendar it's really beautiful. So that was cool. Um, um, the uh, post office was doing, this is another piece now that I'm talking about, the post office was doing a energy awareness spray-on cancellation a couple of months ago. I think it was maybe September or October. And it had a plug and, a, you know, an outlet, a plug, and, you know, a wire from the plug and, and just said energy awareness. And uh, someone had sent me a picture of uh, Nam Jim Pak, the artist, laying on the floor amidst all of... He was the one that did all of the performance art with televisions and electronics right. and stuff. So he was laying in this sea of televisions and cords all over the floor. Mm-hmm. And, on the, <laughs> and that energy awareness plug <laughs> had gotten sprayed on the front of that piece twice one on the top one on the bottom so it had gone through the machine twice uh Mm -hmm. but they still neglected to actually cancel the stamp that was on the other side which i thought was hilarious and and such a great collaboration with the post office so there was no cancellation on the side of the postcard that was addressed no <laughs> but there were two cancellations on the other side, which I thought was really great. So those were two pieces that I got recently, and oh, I've got I've got some really great things. Um, I've gotten good things around, you know, the pandemic, and somebody mm-hmm. somebody sent me a rubber glove in in a in a you know those um, hand shaped forms that are plastic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That they actually put gloves on. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so it was mailed on, you know, with one of those gloves. 
um, stamped stuck directly onto the rubber glove? Uh, no, it had. It was actually in an envelope, but the hanger okay. <laughs> was sticking out the end. And I've gotten, you know, somebody sent me a rubber chicken once with the with the stamps. You know, on a little tag that was tied around the rubber chicken's neck, and I and I actually just um, sent that rubber chicken onto mail art show that's taking place in Idaho. Oh, right, right, the Postal Outliers show. The Postal Outliers show, yeah. I figured it needed a permanent the home. Has, the chicken has flown to to Idaho. That's right. <laughs> Well, I think on that note, <laughs> it's probably a good one to end on, to wrap up on. Um, I want to say thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk with me and also listeners, senders receive listeners about your work and your mail artwork and just sharing all of your incredible stories with us. Well, thank you for all the questions and and thank you too for doing the podcast because I think what you're doing here is important and um, it's something that otherwise gets lost to history, I think. So I I think it's an important thing to do to be able to capture these stories and I look forward to listening to everybody else's. Well, on that note, thanks again, listeners, for uh, stopping by and taking a listen to the Senders Receive interview with Sally Wasink. I'll see everyone in the mail and on the air. Bye for now. Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe, with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro-outro music is by Kitsa and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a mail artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com. Keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account, at sendersreceivepodcast. That's all for now, and thanks for listening.